Okay, John chapter 1. This is the first sermon series I've ever preached where I don't have to get somewhere. Like, I don't have a deadline. Like, you have to get to the Exodus by this date, or you have to get to the crucifixion by that date. We don't really... Terry and I are just sort of walking along in John saying, well, that sounds good. Let's preach that. And it is so liberating. Um, so we'll probably be in this, you know, up towards Christmas. Um, that would be great. And we'll just see how far we get. We're going to talk about being found today. What it means to be lost and what it means to be found. It's, um, it's some interesting things about this. Uh, we have a lost and found here at the church. It's where we collect all your $20 coffee mugs. And we sell most of them on the black market. We resell them and you, you buy them again. It's, it's our backwards way, for those of you who don't tithe, of getting it out of you. Just kidding. But here's the funny thing about it. Is you, I'm you general, I don't know if you ever lost your $20 coffee cup, but you lose your coffee cup, you come into the office, you say to Debbie, hey, is there like a lost and found? And she says, yeah, it's right here. And you look and you go, I found it. No, you lost it. We found it. You lost it. Like you actually, it's funny. I mean, it, I know you found it. It's, but it is funny how we can lose something. And then when it's sort of delivered to us, our, re, our natural reaction is this, I found it. How we can be such finders of things that maybe we didn't even find. And I think you're going to see this squirreliness about being found today in the Word. Uh, last week, well, we were beginning to look at the very beginning of the ministry of Jesus in the Gospel of John. Jesus walks by John the Baptist. John the Baptist goes, that's the Lamb of God. Two of the disciples of John standing next to him heard John say that, and off they went to follow Jesus. Jesus turns to them and says, what are you, what are you seeking? And they give this really great answer. They pretty much say, wherever you're going, we're going. It's a great what does it mean to follow Jesus? That's what it means, man. Wherever you take me, I'm going to be there. And you see these two disciples, Andrew and sort of the, the enigmatic, mysterious other disciple who we don't fully know. We think it's John. Andrew and John find him. And then things start to unfold. Well, today, John is going to, rec- or Jesus is going to gain a few more followers. And uh, we're going to pick up in verse 43. I just want to read one verse. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Jesus found Philip, it says. And then he says, follow me. Last week, John the Baptist saw Jesus And the disciples, you might say, ran after or found Jesus. Last week, he was sought after. This week, he seeks. That's what I like. I like the sought after, seeks after. How Jesus doesn't just walk around the world with wise sayings like Confucius. And if you like it, great. You can seek after him. But if you don't like it, fine. That's not the nature of Jesus. Jesus also seeks us out. 
You know, what kind of king gets off his throne to do that? People seek the audience of a king. The king doesn't seek them. But Jesus does. You know, we know very little about Philip. Very little about Philip. And the little we do know about Philip doesn't commend him as any sort of clutch player or super rookie Christian, the kind of person that Jesus needs on his team. You don't get that. There's nothing in the word of God that indicates that Philip is a ringer and that Jesus had to go get him. Jesus finds him. And Jesus tells him something. Jesus says to him, follow me. Now, I, at least for a while, I wasn't sure what to say. It's at very least a telling. He tells him to follow him. At the most, it's like a command. Between services, someone suggested this word. Jesus beckons to him. I like that. He beckons to him. Follow me. Jesus has done the work, right? He seeks us out. And it's our obligation to follow him. He calls us to himself. You know, when I think of Christianity today as it sort of exists in America, I think we overemphasize one half of this idea and we underemphasize the other half of this idea. So the one half that we overemphasize is Jesus wants you so badly. Like Jesus lost sleep last night over you. Like he yearns for you. I feel like, well, he seeks me. For some crazy reason, the king got off his throne to find me. So we, we play up this, on one side, how much the Lord wants us, and we play down on the other side what he says when he finds us, which is, follow me. Almost, almost so to feel or think, we could accidentally create a vibe within God's church where all we have to do is walk around this world and Jesus is going to find us, and then we'll be found. Jesus does the work of finding us and then he beckons to us to follow. And I think, I suppose maybe for some of you here, this is like the place in the message so for you to hang your hat on to say this is the challenge I'm in. He's, he, he ha, he's saying what it is. is I've been traveling in this pseudo-Christian world for some time. I've sort of enjoyed, enjoyed the notion that God loves me or that he sent his son for me. Like, I like being sought. I like the fact that he's found me. But you have yet to answer his call to follow him. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? That's what disciple means, follower, learner. Let's look at a, another situation, the next couple verses, 44, 45. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. 
Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Did you see it? (laughs) Jesus finds Philip. Philip finds Nathanael and says to Nathanael, Guess who I found? Like, like Philip found Jesus. I found Jesus. We do this, right? No, Jesus found Philip. Jesus found Philip. Philip finds Nathaniel and tells Nathaniel, hey, guess who I found? I found Jesus. It's actually, if you draw it out, go over a couple days here, John the Baptist is the only one who really found Jesus. And even at that, Jesus came to John the Baptist. John the Baptist didn't go searching. John the Baptist stood in one place and Jesus came to be found and seen and John said, that's him. Okay, from that point on, right, the disciples are sort of pointed in Jesus' direction but it says that Andrew went and found Simon and then Jesus found Philip and Philip found Nathaniel. Do you hear all of the finding going on in these passages? How many people are being found and brought or sought out to find. I'm one of those people. Many of you are one of those people where someone who was in the Lord, who was found by the Lord, came to tell us who they found. Come on. Just like I would challenge the person who for a long time has sort of been living in the, hey, God loves you and he wants you. And that's just been enough of a warm coat to put on on a winter day and without dealing with, and he is calling you to follow him. Just like that's a challenge maybe to some in the room. To the other in the room is who have been found by Jesus. Who, to the found, I want to say this. Who are you going to go find? This is how the kingdom of God grows and spreads and matures. Us finding others and bringing them to Jesus. Who are you going to go find? And bring to the Lord. It's a great time of year to do that, isn't it? We'll be in John pretty much through Christmas. It'll be like this through Christmas. Like who are you going to go find? Okay, a few more verses. I'm going to read 45 again. It's kind of a hard sentence word-wise. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Now, Philip's language, we found him of whom Moses wrote in the law and also the prophets. That's a very long-winded way of saying we found the Messiah. You know that guy that the whole Old Testament writes about? Yeah, we found him. That's what Philip is saying. Okay? In fact, the Greek actually is in that order. You know him whom, this is how the Greek was sounding, you know him whom Moses wrote about and the prophets? Him we found. So it's, it's almost as though Nathaniel and Philip, they know, they know their scripture. 
it's, it's the knowledge of the Scripture that's sort of compelling them. Philip is saying, I found him who satisfies the weight of the Old Testament. And it's met by Nathaniel with incredulity because of his hometown. Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's funny. Uh, I think it's actually like lighthearted sarcasm. I don't think it's like uh, angry. How dare somebody come from... I think it's lighthearted sarcasm. We don't know exactly what, but that's what I think. In a moment, Jesus is going to see Nathaniel and say, that's a man with a great heart. So my, my sense is, it's probably in the more like... Well... We could say this, Nathaniel's not from some bustling metropolis either. He's not talking in Rome. He's in Bethsaida. You know where Bethsaida is? We're not really sure. Okay? That's how diminutive it is. We think we know where Bethsaida is. We're sure there was a Bethsaida. And we think we know where one was. I mean, Nazareth to this day is a big city. I think it's sort of like, you know, the small town gesturing that people do. I would think it's like this, like a guy from Laurel, Delaware, goes and tells somebody in Odessa, we found the Messiah. And the guy in Odessa goes, Laurel? What could come from Laurel? And he's saying it from Odessa. Not Wilmington. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if you're in Delaware, you've got to live in this entire joke the whole time, Right? We're in Delaware. I mean, the beauty of it all in some ways, well, for one, the beauty of Nathaniel is he can start with sort of the incredulity of circumstances. By the, by the time this day ends, he sees Jesus for who he is. The Pharisees see all these miracles that Jesus does and they reject him because of circumstance. So Nathaniel, he may start funny, but he ends right. But another thing to note is God does some of his best things in obscure backwater towns and people. After all, what is Israel? Israel is a 50-yard line between empires. There's no grass on the field of Israel because real empires have been fighting over it for thousands of years. Egypt's up, Babylon's down. Egypt's back up, Assyria, Persia, Rome. It's an in, except for the gift of Yahweh to the world, it's nothing. Can anything good come out of that? God loves to do that. And I would say this to you, if you're sort of a backwater, obscure person who thinks, mm, God wouldn't use me, God, I don't know all the Bible, I have to look at the page numbers, I have to go to the table of contents. Watch out, watch out, because God loves to brag on himself through little things. We should, we should sort of be on, we should distrust some of our predictive tendencies as Christians. Oh, God's going to do something in him. He, may, he gave the Messiah to a virgin who was born in a manger. I don't know if we know Anyway,
let's look. Oh, one thing to note. Notice Philip. Philip doesn't like open up a scroll and say, well, hey, there's reasons why Nazareth comes from the Hebrew, which means Nazareth. He doesn't do any of this. Doesn't argue the case. He doesn't whip out his case for Christ book with apologetics on Nazareth. You know what he says? Why don't you come and meet him? Like, he doesn't argue with apologetics. He, he says, let me acquaint you with him. Let me introduce you to him. And, and I would just say, you know, particularly with, there may be one or two here who are like dreading the Thanksgiving table with like, you know, you're the lone Christian or, or whatever. I would say maybe, I, I don't know about your table, but maybe there's times in life, let's just say that, where we don't need to argue the point. We can just introduce somebody to Jesus. Maybe that gap, maybe the gap, what's missing in the gap is not reason, it's, it's introduction. Philip just says, well, come see him. And here's what happens. Uh, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him. This is verse 47. And said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. That's a strange moment. One of the reasons it's strange is we don't know what happened under the fig tree. The only people who know what happened under the fig tree is Jesus and Nathaniel. That's the point. The point was, the, I think the point is sort of that Jesus saw, well, actually, if we step back, last week, when Jesus sees Simon, he sees who he will be. Remember that? You're Peter, rock. So his introduction with Simon he shows his knowledge of who Simon will be. This week, we see when Jesus meets Nathaniel, he knows who Nathaniel was and is. It's still this, on the first encounter, the sense that Jesus knows, we might say it this way, Jesus knows who you were, who you are, and who you will be, and he still seeks you out and calls you. He beckons you to follow knowing who you were, who you are, and who you will be. So there's that, but there's this strange play, right? How do you know me? Jesus says, before you saw Philip, I saw you sitting under the fig tree. We don't know what happened there. No one can know. If anyone ever tells you, they're lying, right? This is all we have in the Bible. But, we can sort of assume that something happened under the fig tree that matters because by Jesus saying that, Nathaniel testifies, surely you're the Messiah, right? You're the son of God, you're the king of Israel, he says. So I, my hunch is it's less than something, or, or it's much more than, well, I saw yesterday you were sitting under a fig tree. <laughs> That's just... Lucky guess. It might be something, okay, and this is in the land of might or just, you know, imagining into the word. 
you know, I think there's times in my life where I've pled to the Lord. I've, I can remember days in my life, and you might have them in yours, where you, you've prayed things that are memorable. God, are you there? I wonder if it was something like that. Like if Philip was seeking the Lord in a pretty deep way, and Jesus is saying, remember that day? I do. It seems like it's deep enough, like something like that, to evoke out of Nathaniel real belief. And Nathaniel follows. Now, I don't think I'm going to do verse 50 and 51. I think we'll do those two verses next week because we can do whatever we want. We don't have a deadline. It's great. So next week, we'll do two verses. I'm excited. So maybe I, before we close here, just one more last thought about being found. Because Jesus seeks the lost. We know that. Jesus seeks the lost. But it's not as though all the lost are found. These examples we've had here are really special examples of great finds. They're findable followers. I like that phrase. They're findable. These, and they are findable. You think of Andrew and the disciple. They had already given their lives to follow John. Talk about prepped for Jesus. They don't have to deal with, well, I got to go close my business. I got to go this, that, and the other thing. They simply shift allegiance. I mean, so much of the hard work, they're waiting. They're with John because they long to meet and to be pure on the day of the Lord. And when John says, well, that's the Lord, they're ready. So these are, these are very findable followers. Even Nathaniel and Philip, hey, you know that guy? The one whom Moses talks about in the law and all the prophets? I mean, they have tremendous familiarity with the hope. This is why, incidentally, it's important to raise your children in the Lord so they are findable. So they have expectations of eternity. Someone asked me in a Bible study this week, they said, are there any examples from the Bible of failed findings? And if I went, uh, yeah. Then I realized, tons. <laughs> you bet. The rich young ruler is a failed finding. In the Gospel of John, there will be mobs and crowds of people who will leave him, abandon him. Towns, towns will ask him to never come back, to include his hometown. This seeking Messiah who gets off his throne to find us is ultimately crucified at the request of his own people and through the authority of the greatest empire on earth at the time. So, are you findable? Because apparently he's missable. You should not assume 
It's just going to happen. You should not assume that all I need to do is keep my temperature 98.6 and make this thing beat however many times a minute it needs to be. And eventually I'll be found. Because Jesus is called a man of sorrows. He was, I mean, his ministry is one that's typified by rejection and occasionally interspersed with beautiful finding. So are you findable? I'm not saying are you find worthy. Hear me. I'm not saying that. I'm not asking if you're worthy of being found. Who is? For some reason, he got off his throne to seek us. Are you findable? Is your soul receptive if God comes finding you? It's a really big question. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to close this in prayer on that. I'm going to uh, invite you. If, if so you're sort of sitting there going, I, f- I feel like I've been sought. I feel like he's touched my heart before, but I've never answered the beck and call to follow. This is a, this is a great day. Why would you pass this day up again? That's worth asking. Let's go ahead to the Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you obediently came to earth, that you took on flesh. You did not just sit in heaven wondering why people don't get you. You came, you manifest the glory of the Father to us. You put the power of the Spirit in your faithful apostles and disciples who continue to witness through the age, Lord, and somehow it's reached our ears, and for that we're grateful. We were found, and in being found, we found you. I ask, Lord, that in this fellowship, particularly if there's someone here who has not answered your call, Lord, that you would soften their heart, make them findable, Lord so that they might respond to you. For those of us, Lord, who are in the comfort of your fellowship, Lord, I pray we would be propelled to find someone else and bring them to you. We need your help, Lord. If there's someone here this morning who, for the first time, is answering this call, this is a great time to say, Lord, I thank you for coming for me. I confess, Lord, I've sinned many times in my life and I need your forgiveness. And I long to follow you. I long to call you Lord and Savior. Lord, on the day you come, may it be that we are all found. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.